PR is kind of getting in the way of making the right call sometimes. We're all seeing that the black market exists. It's alive and unfortunately well. As these things grow, are we sometimes kind of trying to appeal to the public and appeal to the masses with our safeguarding when actually what we're doing is limiting the way that operators market without necessarily thinking about the advantage it puts in the hands of those that are less measured in how they actually operate? Hello again, and thank you for joining us on the Gaming News Canada show presented by Osler, Hoskin, and the Harcourt LLP. It is Thursday, September 14th, and I'm your host, Steve McAllister. We're really excited about today's show because there's a lot to cover, and as always, we're joined by Amanda Brewer, the Canadian Country Manager for Kindred Group. Paul Burns, the President and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association, returns to the show for the first time in a while. And John Pappas, the Senior Vice President of Government and Public Affairs for GeoComply. We'll come around a little bit later in the show to talk about some NFL betting and geolocation, uh, more specifically, the very interesting NFL Week 1 report that the Vancouver-based company put out earlier this week. I want to start the show by just quickly um, doing a bit of a around the horn on the uh, on the newsletter this morning and lots happening. Late yesterday afternoon, the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario announced a uh, an $80,000 fine against Woodbine Casino um, tied to a, a cheat-to-play scheme involving a, a dealer. Um, you might remember that that story broke back in April when uh, when there were, I think it was five people were charged in that uh, in that scheme. Uh, the AGCO has a compliance committee that looked into it, and that that led to the uh, to the announcement yesterday and and the fine being imposed against the owners of the uh, of the casino. Um, if you also had a chance, we'll, we'll get Amanda to ch- chime in here for in a moment, and, and I'm sure Paul Burns will have some thoughts. We spoke to a few people around the industry over the past week, and, and just some thoughts as we've moved past Labor Day and uh, getting into the you know the final f- four months, as hard as it's to believe, of 2023. Just some kind of the, the issues facing the the uh, sports betting and gaming industry in Canada of between now and, and the end of the year. And, um, you know, obviously the the AGCO is kind of the thick of that. There were some significant leadership changes there this summer with uh, with the new chair of the board. Uh, Dr. Karen Schnarr replaces Tom Mungham as the CEO and registrar beginning uh, beginning Monday. Um, we obviously, we've, you know, we've covered it uh, from stem to stern in the podcast and, and uh uh, in the newsletter as well about the the new advertising standards that the AGCO has put into place, there is there is a window here. Those standards don't go into effect until the end of February. So we, we wrote about that and kind of a five things to watch this morning about the industry. Um, kind of revisited the the two bills that were um, put forward in the Senate back uh, back in June, and and then talked about the landscape uh, kind of beyond Ontario and and what specifically what's going on in in Alberta, BC, and Quebec right now. I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to read the newsletter this morning, but just you know, is there any any pressing issues that you see as we as we move towards the end of this year? Pressing issues, nothing. Kind of other than you know what you what you highlighted in the newsletter is a lot of stuff to keep an eye on for sure. Um, Anything happening outside of Ontario is is going to be a game of speculation until more concrete information comes out. So that's always a little bit a little bit you know kind of fun to dabble in um, in in that respect. But I think Ontario, you know, you know, I'm looking forward to meeting Karen. I think it's going to be exciting and great for the AGCO to have her in that leadership capacity. Um, and I really think between now and the end of the year, you know, give her a chance to get in. You know, it's always worth reminding people that it's not just gaming that she oversees. She's got horse racing, which is kind of a separate part of it. Uh, cannabis and liquor as well. So she's got quite a full portfolio of industries um, that she will oversee as the registrar and CEO of the AGCO. Um, and it, I'm sure she's going to be hitting the ground running. So um, I think we'll, we'll, if I had to guess, and based on the conversations I've had with people who know her better, she will definitely be setting her own tone. Um, and she will definitely have her, her own expectations for how the AGCO is going to function. So uh, watch this space, um, and uh, we'll we'll see how that unfolds as we hit the end of the year. 
So I think those are kind of the things that, um, you know, that will be um, occupying the AGCO or occupying the industry. But I think now that we're into our second full year of the full sports season in the fall, um, things are just now hitting a level of just kind of, you know, it, it's calm now. You know, we found our footing. Um, operators aren't getting fined for inducement language <laughs> um, misuse. Um, and so I think it's, it's you know, hopefully the temperature is a lot, you know, lower this fall season as, as we get underway. I think it's important too, Amanda. And I know we're we're preaching to the choir with with the people who are usually join us on LinkedIn Audio on Thursdays, but uh, but we do uh, we do produce a podcast out of this that gets uh, gets a wider listenership later in the week and, and next week. And that's again just reiterating that this is a very uh, a very young market. I mean, regulated gaming in Ontario is not even two years old yet. Um, and across the rest of the country, the only legal gaming is, is comes under the auspices of the uh, Provincial Lottery and, and Gaming Corporation. So just talking to some people this week, d- d- just a reminder that there is a long game to be, be played here. And this, this isn't, uh, you know, this industry isn't a, isn't a week by week thing uh, here in Canada. A hundred percent. It took a very long time. And I see Paul has joined. Um, so... I can't remember, does he have to put his hand up or do you have to ping him? Paul's great to, to speak on this topic um, because it took, you know, let's say 10 years to get single event sports betting changed. And that was a game that was definitely a long game and a game of patience and perseverance. Um, I am really comfortable saying it's not an if, but a when, when another province or two will follow Ontario's lead, not necessarily Ontario's model. Um but again, this industry does not move at the speed of light with with big changes like that. Um, and, you know, especially in provinces where we're about to have elections in the case of BC, or we've just had a, an election and there may have to be some moving around of, you know, the existing, um, the existing infrastructure in the province to enable, you know, the conduct and manage and, and the regulation and licensing of, of online gaming. So these things do take a bit of time. They're not overnight things. So that's why I said, you know, right now we expect Alberta will be the next province, but I don't think we will know too much even by the end of this year, I think as we get into 2024, more will be known. But, you know, I've been around this long. I'm clearly a patient person. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to sit here and, and wait and, uh, you know, and encourage other provinces to, to dip their toes in and not be afraid. Yeah. And speaking of patient, uh, Paul Burns, the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association joins us and, and uh, Paul, I'm, I'm sure you uh, you share Amanda's feeling. And, and again, as we pointed out, uh, there, this is a long game here. This is a very a very new market. There is an expectation that other provinces will follow Ontario's lead at some point. Um, but I'm sure you know some of your job is is um, letting you know reminding the members, I guess, once in a while that that, that this is a long game. It is um, exactly. Uh, that it always um, I've, I've gotten used to over the years. Uh, gaming decision changes don't often come quickly. Um, uh, when they do, it's great. Um, I've learned to have patience. But yes, it's um, you know there's um, there's public education in understanding what has happened in Ontario that's still I think missing from the conversation in Ontario. Um, and I think we've you know. Um, as an industry, have done a terrific job. Uh, I don't think there's enough recognition for the strong regulatory standards were set around responsible gaming, player protection. Um, people fixated on advertising, which, and I think, and it's made for a disjointed conversation. I think we're um, we're missing um, uh, to a chance to have a, a better conversation. Hopefully, we can reset the dialogue in, in the coming the weeks and months um, in the public because a lot of people who, um, who have decided they're gaming experts and advertising experts in gaming and problem gaming experts all of a sudden feel free to comment uh, without really understanding a lot of what's um, what's behind uh, having not read the regular standards not having understood all of um, the stakeholders that are involved that have 
put together standards and codes of conduct and other things that the industry adheres to every day. I I know you're uh, I know you're busy, Paul. Not only in your role with the with the CGA, but also as the, the head coach of the uh, Leafs I Wildcats U18 <laughs> girls hockey team. So uh, always uh, always appreciate you you being here on on the show. So while you're uh, you know while you're drawing up new line combinations and getting ready for the start of the uh, of your regular season, just to go back to our conversation with Amanda a few minutes ago and. The shakeup with the AGC over the summer and, and Karen Schnarr taking taking over the CEO and registrar's position as of as of Monday. Um, you know, one of the things I, I I did talk to someone in the industry about on on Tuesday was that there there does appear to be some relationship mending uh, done between the industry and and the AGCO. I mean, I think when this market uh, opened in Ontario back in April 2021, there was a lot of gushing about the collaboration and and the, you know this the spirit of consulting between between the regulators in this province and and operators coming into the coming into the marketplace here and that uh, the, the consensus or there, there's an overwhelming feeling i would say from the operators that that kind of that disappeared in this process with the amended ad standards this summer is that as amanda mentioned i mean karen's got an awful lot in her plate coming in gaming gaming is not her only portfolio but do you think that relationship fixing is going to be an important part of her um, of her work on the gaming side? Um, you know, I, I, I've had the benefit of, of I worked with Karen years ago, and I know her quite well. And she's extremely bright and smart and tenacious and well briefed and well read, and and she will be um, a, a great uh, CEO and leader for the AGCO. Um, I think that um, where we've been in the last few months, I, I know from what I get calls from membership and asking what changed at the AGCO when it came to the advertising standard consult consultation. Um, that um, that the consultation was by putting out, you know, they've. There's a lot of experience from operators from around the world and other jurisdictions. When they see an operator put out standards, they know they're not going to climb back. Um, they're not going to make changes. They're not going to continue to consult. Um, and there was an expectation, I think, that you know the AGCO was going to consult further. Yes, they put their opinion out by putting out the draft consultation. Um, and then there was, uh, and I think some people saw that as saying, "Okay, something changed." And is this the way it's going to be now? Uh, and I, I never believe that it, it's the way it's going to be. And, you know, from all those that are still at the, you know, continue to work at the AGCO when we're joining, um, you know, I think that there's a desire still to have the, continue the same business practices they've had in, in working with industry and picking up the phone and having conversations and being able to chat. Uh, I just think in, in, as we get into um, uh, this is, is somewhat emotional debate. It was not uh, on, and I think that we need to take a step back as the CGA had offered, and I think others had too. And let's do some research. Let's talk about what we need to do as an industry, um, because there's, as I say, there's lots of operators in this market who have experiences from around the world that can lean in and, and are wanting to lean in and lend their experiences and expertise. And that's a great benefit. And it's, you know, the one that the AGCO has used and I'm sure they'll continue to use. So I have a lot of confidence that we'll give, you know, this was, um, it was a difficult topic to deal with in light of uh, what was an emotional argument going on, not, based in fact because it's not a tsunami of advertising um, in relation to total advertising yes it's focused on certain sports products but um and a lot of people are making criticisms don't realize that canadians have had access to sports betting for since the internet was created for 20 plus years i've been betting on sports for a long long time and for a lot of people this isn't new and so uh, I think a lot of people woke up and realized they didn't know what was happening and they didn't know and still don't know that there's a, a large unregulated 
marketplace that's the, that people have access to. But what Ontario has done is ensure that you know, miners can't get access to the marketplace from a regulated operator. 100%. Um, that no one targets miners. Um, and that's where we need to, to, and I think everybody who's involved in the unit has to take up and, and, and have a voice in that. And that's why I think saying that we, you know, these are the, the regulatory standards have some of the highest robust responsible gaming requirements in the world. Um, let's start talking about those. Let's talking about all of the good that's gone on. And that's, that's where, and I think everybody, the regulators, I go, the government operators, we all have a responsibility to do that. Have you, uh, have you had an opportunity to speak with Karen yet? I have. <laughs> I have. <laughs> um, let's uh, let, let's move let's move on then. Uh, and uh, and we're and we we are looking forward. We're, we've you know we've let the AGCO know we'd love to have Karen join us on LinkedIn Audio at some point and on the podcast. And we, and we sincerely hope that happens at some at some point once she gets her uh, once she gets her feet wet. I, I did want to, one of the reasons, Paul, why I wanted to get you on back on the show was. Um, you you had your uh, latest state of the union address, as we'll call it, uh, with with the CGA membership yesterday. And um, what what were some of the topics that you can share with our audience that, that you covered with the members? And and what what were some of the questions that you uh, you received during that call? Uh, yeah, it's you know we did uh, for the a very spread out membership across the globe. Um, uh, and a chance to at least invite everybody to come together at least a, a couple, a few times a year to hear just to know what we're up to. Um, so we did one in the spring, and since September brought and the summer uh, brought some new agenda items, I mean, that was a good time just to go back and say, hey, this is what we're up to and what we're working on. And so we talked about the AGCO advertising standards and the fact that, you know, the CJA, we've we wrote to the AGCO and we've requested to um, participate in the creation of a compliance guidance document. So um, we understand uh, what the difference will be between a celebrity and a retired athlete or what metrics are used to determine what appeals to minors and what are they going to use to decide those things or what would they like the industry to use because everybody just wants to comply. And that's the, the objective at the end of the day. And, you know, we had an experience with the bonusing incentive language where it became a bit of trial and error at some point. And that's not, that wasn't constructive for many operators. Um, some had the programs started and then stopped. Um, there was money that was uh, unfortunately got, uh, had to get, where programs were spent on money spent on programs that got tossed aside. Um, I think we've got an opportunity now to to um, work together to figure what those the definitions are in some of these, and that you know there's still in you know in the the first uh, uh, point in the in the standards uses the word primarily appeal to minors, but then two points down it uses very likely. Uh, do those mean the same thing anymore? What are the differences? So there's a lot of questions. So that's one we talked about. Um, obviously, the Senate bills in Senate 268 and 269. Um, big day for gaming in the Senate. Back-to-back -back bills. Um, and just how we'll continue to monitor those and see what the... Um, what the um, uh, and, and engage with the senators to, to see what they're their plans are on how they plan to proceed with their legislation. And uh, because obviously um, 268, which amends the criminal code to give uh, First Nations uh, the same authority as the provinces, um, really strikes at the heart of the way gaming's been organized for the last 35 years. So um, I know the, the provincial governments, are, uh, a couple I've spoken to are interested to know, you know, to watch this and see what happens. And I think we all need to know what the impacts uh, will be. So we talked a little bit about some of that. And uh, we also have um, uh, 
going to be going back to Ottawa, which I haven't done. We've got a parliamentary review on Canada's anti-money laundering legislation expected this fall. Um, the CGA submitted uh, on behalf of industry, working with our membership and a great subcommittee of folks uh, to educate and inform Finance Canada in the policymaking process of the amazing technology that's available in the AML space, um, things like the use of geolocation services and the AI platforms that can give operators much more intelligence. Um, that So we had a very robust submission um, and uh, we look forward to the parliamentary review because the money laundering legislation in Canada related to gaming is woefully obsolete as it doesn't mention sports betting. Horse racing continues to be excluded. And like the definition of casino is defined around a building with four walls. And that's just not the way it is anymore. So those are just a few things. Hey, Paul, uh, Jacob uh, Hargate and Llewellyn from uh, the Canadian Country Manager for Leo Vegas Group. He's he's jumped in here. And Jacob, I don't know if you have a question for Paul or, or a comment. Yeah, I did. Um, hey, Paul, how you doing? Um, how are you? I suppose my questions, do you think that PR is kind of getting in the way of making the right call sometimes? Because this is my stance is we're all seeing that the black market exists. It's alive and unfortunately well. Um, and obviously as these things grow, and listen, I've been in iGaming for not as long as some of you guys, but seven, eight years now. Uh, and it's the tightrope that that makes me love this industry. It's uh, commercial viability versus player responsibility, right? Uh, but uh, are we sometimes kind of trying to appeal to the public and appeal to the masses with our safeguarding when actually what we're doing is limiting the way that operators market without necessarily thinking about the advantage it puts in the hands of those that are maybe less, uh, less measured in how they actually operate? Yeah, I think, Jacob, there is exactly, it's, you know, that this conversation has been had in many jurisdictions and in, in, in around, you know, when you start to restrict a regulated market, you leave more oxygen space for um, black market unregulated operators to exist in the marketplace because um, they don't have to follow rules. And um, aren't held accountable. But it's this super. It's this super vague. Sorry to sorry to jump back yeah. in, but it's this super vague, like not appealing to minors and you know influencers that can't be reasonably expected to appeal to minors. And you know we, we've got we've got verify on registration as a gateway here, right? Like like the the regulated market isn't isn't doing that, you know. No, and that's one of the things, you know, in, in our submission to the AGCO and this, we talked about the totality of the system, the whole entire regulatory regime, all of its parts working together. Um, it's, it's, and that's, that's what it does when some very robust and, and operators have got the scars to prove it on, on the KYC side, uh, on the limiting ability to um, use mass market for bonusing incentive to monitoring players for risk. Uh, all of those things are really, you know, when you look at it all, no one, and, and we're not targeting youth and minors. We're not, there's a whole list of regulatory, you know, standards regarding advertising, which you can and can't say and intimate and do. And, you know, TV ads are even checked visually for those, some of those, um, by think TV here in Canada. So you, have all of these measures um one of the things that that i've that i think that it's and i didn't i kind of thought we'd beyond in some respects that people talk about and are thinking that it's like normalization of gambling um and that's a bad thing and in fact it's not it's happened uh, we've had widespread access to gambling in this country for 35 years um there's generations now who've grown up with it there's still generations out there that didn't grow up with it and it's new and 
and I may age skew a bit, but that's some of the noise is coming from that side of the room, shall we say? Um, and I think that that's something that that and people think that's a bad thing. And I've had arguments with reporters and others, and I because they said, well, what do you say to what, what should parents say to their children? I said they should have a conversation about gambling that they have with drugs, like they have with drinking and driving. Like they have with other risky behaviors that youth get into because youth generally sort of hit all the risky behaviors, shall we say, mm. um, and, and, and on, on a whole host of issues. And as, and gaming can be one of them, um, along with a whole lot of other things. And so I, I'm, I'm of mind that we, I think we're in this, let's call it a transition period, but we've got a, that, um, it's just a lot of people say you can't legislate common sense from some people, but you need to educate people. We need to continue to have the conversations. And I think one of the things that was missing in pre-April 2022 to today is that no one was really told what changed in April of 2022. There was this market that was created, but the why, uh, what's going to change, what you're going to see, why we did it as a government was probably something so, that I think I'd say was... operator operator gross profits certainly uh <laughs> they, they changed pretty quickly <laughs> they did but there's you, you know there's but we brought in no one was checking not everybody was required to check age verification you could sign up for an account make a deposit before you provided any id you can't do that now for many operators so there's there's lots of change that happened but I don't think people understand that we're, why is Ontario's being vilified for actually limiting the online gaming market in their jurisdiction, creating boundaries, building rules, protecting players, and there's eight provinces that aren't doing anything in that measure. No, oh, sorry, I, I, yeah, I misunderstood your point. Yeah, we're com yeah. completely on board with that. I mean, it's like trying to solve teenage pregnancy and, and things and telling people that they can't promote condoms, right? It's, uh, you know, we are we are the regulated few. And actually, there's still tons of money passing through operators that aren't playing by the same rules. And I think that that gap is growing. Uh, and, you know, at the core of our business, I'm sure at the, you know, I was at Kindred for a while. So at the core of Amanda's, I know, we are people that are in this for decades to come, right? And we believe in this being a, a hobby, a safe hobby, uh, passion or whatever can be included in that. But I don't think that's true of black market operators. And I'm, I'm just starting to worry and wonder whether the landscape is shaping itself um, to, to push players away from us, you know? Well, I think that's, you know, by and this is where I think the government, in terms of understanding and political tolerance for advertising, was really high. Um, in the sense that they were, they understood that, that there was going to be increased advertising in the marketplace because um, there was regulated market operators, and it's one of the you know few privileges you get as a regulated operator in the marketplace is being able to advertise. Um, you know, in in the as robust as you wish, and I think that's something that um, you know. And, and we've heard you know people. Some have called for banning advertising. I don't think that's in most in others. And from I've heard Shelley White comment and said, "No, we shouldn't be banning advertising." And I think any you know, reasonable person understands. Remarkably, you don't want to do that because then you've you've lumped everybody in and you kind of drive yourself to the lowest common denominator of operator and those that don't uh, don't have and don't care about instituting player protection measures or having a healthy relationship with their players um, and, uh, and we don't want that a word from our sponsor the Gaming News Canada show is presented by Osler, Hoskin & Harcourt, LLP. Osler's gaming practice has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving landscape 
of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in the gaming industry has been built over years of service to operators, suppliers, and gaming authorities. Visit osler.com gaming for more information. That's O-S-L-E-R.com forward slash gaming. Now back to the show. Hey, Paul, any other kind of common themes with, with your meeting with the, with the members yesterday? And, and, and I, I guess the one thing I was going to ask, like, are the conversations, your members aren't all necessarily sports book or gaming operators. You, you do have suppliers and, and platform and games providers. I mean, do you, do you get different questions from the different sectors of the industry? Oh, completely. Um, you know, and, and that's, uh, you know, cause there's a lot of, uh, from suppliers to other technology providers, um, like the good folks at, at GeoComply, um, who have some great technology but, uh, that I think will be very applicable to the AML world. Um, no, we have, uh, we do, and I think everybody's, in terms of understanding um, um, potential impacts and in, in, in how rules may be interpreted. We get a lot of questions of, of different sources and suppliers want to know, um, uh, you know, they, they, cause they have their customers they're talking to as well. So, uh, you know, we work in with a lot of payment, uh, those providers in the space. And obviously there's some you know, provisions in the AML side, uh, consultation. Uh, the federal government was asking whether they, they should treat payment providers in the, as a special category versus treating them as money services business. And we think they should um, because they're very, uh, it's a very different business in many ways. Um, so there's lots of issues for everybody. Um, and that's uh, makes, makes work fun in that regard. But uh, no, there's a lot to, uh, um, uh, there's a little, uh, you know, everybody's got issues related to um, it, uh, big and small, right? Everybody, there's more investment on some side than others, um, and we have a, a good contingent of law firms too, which is also, uh, um, and they've got clients they speak to. So, I'm just going to yeah. mention, Paul, you're uh, you're going to be at SBC Summit Barcelona next week, and and you are moder- moderating, I believe, it's a roundtable discussion on on one of the days about. Uh, was happening or was going to happen beyond Ontario. And I, I was just uh, asking, uh, is that a topic that uh, that came about just because of, there's demand from, from operators who, who aren't operating in Ontario right now who are, are interested in what's going on across the rest of the country? Yeah, we are actually doing, there's a, a, a roundtable um, that uh, Ron Segev is chairing that I'm participating in with him. And then um, Ron, um, uh, Will from Fitzstairs, uh, Jerome from Sports Interaction, and Jared from Bet99 and I are doing a panel talking about um, some of the, the Ontario Canadian marketplaces in terms of what we've, what Ontario's learned and what can be applicable to other jurisdictions from that experience. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, is the differences between the jurisdictions um, AGLC as a regulator is not the AGCO. They operate very differently. There's um, so there's there's nuances and and very uh, strong contrasts between some of the um, in dealing with the organization. So we're going to talk about some of those things uh, in our session, and uh, and I know that there's um, uh, a number of um, CGA members are going to be there. So I'm looking forward to connecting with a bunch of them and. Um, Mark Harper from Covers is on the panel uh, as well over there, and uh, Mike Sandell's from Pinnacle and some other Canadians. So there's a bunch of us around, and there's a, a lunchtime networking the North American contingent um, on the Thursday. So good yeah, luck. Yeah, I think. Yeah, and I believe uh, I know uh, Shelly White from the Responsible Gambling Council is. I think she's moderating a panel one day as well. But but you're right. There's certainly a significant Canadian contingent that that is going to be uh, that is going to be in Barcelona next week, which uh, I'm I'm very jealous that I won't won't be in Spain with you. Looking, um, uh, looking forward to seeing everybody. 
And then I guess, Paul, the other thing too is, uh, you know, a global gaming expo, like it's, it's hard to believe, you know, the summer seemed to be going by pretty slowly at one point. And here we are today on September 14th and we're literally four weeks away now from, from global gaming expo as, as well. So, um, you know, it, I don't know if runaway freight train is the right expression, but it, it certainly, uh, it, it does kind of feel the last couple of weeks that, that business is really starting to ramp up again. Yeah, it's um, definitely so. I mean, uh, as I said, we're also you know, federal parliament's returning as well, and so the uh, the wheels of on uh, uh, the government will begin to turn again on the parliamentary side. So the bills in the Senate and the parliamentary review on AML uh, will start to pick up. So yeah, there's lots on that side, and we also have. Um, and looking forward to working with the AGCO on the um, uh, on a compliance guide and, and further kind of refining how the industry will work to comply with advertising standards. Um, and that's something you know, as as Karen needs time to um, get into the AGCO and um, and meet uh, her team and and. Uh, and as Amanda mentioned, there's lots of other sectors she regulates. So uh, it's one, I think gaming is probably one she knows the best, um, having from her time even on IGO's board of directors. Um, and uh, and I know she has a few friends from uh, that are working in the sector from uh, past lives. So we're, uh, we've all reached out to her as well. So, um, but there's lots for her to do. So I think as we get into the, the fall, we'll, um, Things will continue to pick up. But. Hey, Paul. The other thing I wanted to ask you about the about the AGCO situation. Uh, again, obviously, as, as we mentioned at the top of the hour, there 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 was a fair bit of change at the top this summer with a new uh, with a new um, uh, chair of the board, and of course the the, the announcement about about Karen. Um, you know, there's also questions uh, again talking to people over the past week. Um, uh, you know, Dave Phillips, the chief operating officer, people wondering about Dave's future with the commission and uh, Brent McCurdy, the deputy CEO, and, and Doug Hood, who's kind of been, been involved in the gaming side for, I think, the better part of 15 years at the AGCO. And, and when you, uh, you talk to people, they, they do give Dave and Brent and, and uh, Doug a fair bit of credit for, for the creation of this industry at, at the, uh, in the early early stages um you know the feeling with one person i talked to was that the the hope was that those those people are, are going to be able to st stick around and um given given karen has some experts uh, you know knows people in the gaming industry do you think there's an opportunity that that those that those people will hang around oh i i, I fully hope so too and I, I i you know i'm sure um it's um that they're, they hopefully they, they don't go anywhere um, obviously and that's something that because uh, uh, they have been an integral part of um, the AGCO's success in the last uh, few years from cannabis to managing COVID to launching iGaming um, that group's had a lot of work to do and uh, and I think it's you know I think it's um, uh, and that's—I don't think anything. I don't think that's lost on Karen. I don't think it's lost on on anybody. And, and Dave was a big part of it as as you know, vice chair of the board, and then I go chair, and now back as chair. Um, and I think there's—I um, uh, think it's a—it's a, an opportunity for the AGCO. And you know, I think with all of uh, the leadership team, you don't—you know—I I won't speak for Karen, but I don't think she wants anybody to go anywhere. Um, I think she knows it's a good team, and uh, so that's going to be, um, yeah. So I, I mean, that's that's why it's just a chance for everybody to um, uh, start working together and getting to know everybody, and and uh, and hopefully there is lots of continuity, and that uh, um, uh, for her entering the the role. Great stuff. 
Hey, uh, in uh, in GeoComply uh, parlance, we've we've been able to geolocate John Pappas, the uh, the senior vice president of, of government Excellent. and public affairs. <laughs> well, well, John, let, listen, and I'm here. Thank you. Sorry about that. I, I I would like to blame you, but it was all on my end. Well, we'll chalk we'll chalk it up to some cross border communication telecommunications issues, John, and, and leave it at that. So neither neither one of us have to take a bullet on on that. Hey, John, listen, thanks thanks so much for joining us. I think it, the last time we had you on the show was uh, during the SBC Summit North America back in uh, back in the spring. So it's it's great to uh, great to welcome you back to the show. You know, we dedicated a fair bit of real estate in this morning's newsletter to to GeoComply's um, report for the opening week of the NFL season, just simply because of the the magnitude of some of the some of the data that uh, the GeoComply produced from the from the work your people did last week. And just just quickly, some of the highlights. You know, two two hundred GeoComply recorded two hundred forty two point three million geolocation transactions last week for just just around. The opening week of the NFL regular season, and that's that's a fifty six percent increase from from the first week of the season a year ago, which is just uh, which is just um, mind boggling. Um, a forty percent increase in, in betting accounts across uh, online sports customers of, of GeoComply in, in the U.S. and and then looking also looking John at the activity in, in those new regulated betting markets and. Ohio and, and Massachusetts and Maryland. I guess I'll just start. Like, what what stood out to you with the report? Well, well, first, thanks for having me on, and it's actually great to be on with such an esteemed uh, other speakers as well. So I've, I've had a chance to listen in on your guys' conversation. It's been really interesting. Uh, I, I did before I jump into the north of uh, the U.S. stats. I, I did think it might be appropriate for me to share a couple stats. I had my data team pull before I jumped on here about what we saw in in Ontario specifically and. Uh, through Perfect. our uh, through our customers uh, in in the Ontario market, we saw about a forty two percent increase in traffic uh, based uh, in, in traffic and volumes uh, compared to that same week uh, the year before. So even north of the border, uh, we believe that U.S. football is uh, is very popular uh, for those that in, engage on embedding platforms in Ontario. Uh, we also saw uh, tens of thousands of, uh, of temps that we had to block of people from elsewhere within Canada, but not Ontario, seeking to access our customers' platforms in, in Ontario. And obviously, uh, our, our, our technology is built to design and protect those virtual borders, uh, but it also is an indicator that there is strong demand for the options that are available in Ontario to be available elsewhere in Canada. And I know that's uh, kind of the next phase of, of the growth of the Canadian market is, is other markets uh, expanding as well. So uh, just a couple well, of John, I don't know if we're, uh, about Canada. I don't know if we can be privy to this, um, but if you don't mind me asking, do you find that that tends to lean towards Ontario holiday accounts or are you talking about, non-Ontarians wanting to bet on Ontario-only brands? Um, it, it's a great question. Um, the What we're able to identify are the, the location of the device at the time of trying to access uh, the platform. And you know, like I said, we found tens of thousands of those outside of Ontario, whether they're Ontarians that were somewhere else that were accessing their device. Uh, on, that's, we don't have that granular level of data. But certainly, we know that there was uh, last week a lot of interest of people outside of Ontario to be on the apps, and obviously they weren't able to place the bet because our software would have blocked them from from doing so. Hey, John, the one, sure. the one, uh, the one graphic that that we we include in the newsletter, and and I've, I've talked about this before. I'm I'm a huge fan of what your uh, your marketing and and graphics people do with with video and. And there's a great YouTube video that come, goes with this report on the betting activity in Ohio last week. And um, again, I'm, I'm thinking that uh, you know Browns fans who who like to place a wager did quite quite well with their team upsetting their their cross state rivals, the Cincinnati Bengals, on the on on week one. 
Uh, but if you get a chance, just click on that video and um, just see the kind of, not only the kind of activity that was happening, but again, the one thing, as you mentioned, that GeoComply does is you identify people trying to bet from outside of state. So, so that's a cool, a cool video. The other graphic I found fascinating too, John, was just the the demand, uh, the, the consumer demand in states where there isn't legal sports betting right now, and and again, GeoComply was tracking last week what, what was going on in, in Missouri, Mississippi, Georgia, Minnesota, Alabama, and, and South Carolina, and and your the the graphic that your team produced showed that the estimated tax revenue that those states are are missing out on by not having regulated sports betting um i mean that's that's pretty powerful pretty powerful ammunition for for legislators and operators and everybody else who are making the case for for legal sports betting to continue spreading across the u.s uh, absolutely i mean uh, the it's no, you know, we, we, we were deliberate in picking those six states because we know that those are all states that are going to consider legislation uh, next year. And for one reason or another, legislation in those states have, have failed in the past um, as, you know, kind of my mandate as part of the, the government affairs team for GeoComply is to work with our customers in the U.S. to to open markets. And, and we think one of the best ways to help open markets is to explain to lawmakers about the consumer demand um and and you know as we've said before that you know when these uh would be betters in alabama or south carolina uh, go to an app uh, and they aren't able to place a wager uh because they're in that state uh they're either crossing the border which we see thousands of times uh, particularly in, in places where there's major population centers next to uh next to cities i think missouri is a great example of that where you have something like kansas city missouri versus kansas city kansas it's literally just a road that separates the two uh and there's you know a million million two million plus people living in that metro area. We definitely see a lot of cross-border play. Uh, but the other alternative is, is that those people turn to uh, the offshore and regulated market, right? That they're not able to use a regulated operator uh, that is taking all the uh, consumer safeguards to make sure that they're operating appropriately, but they turn to an offshore book that has no uh, consumer safeguards whatsoever. And they're putting their financial information there uh, putting their personal information there, uh, taking the risk that they're making a deposit that may not get paid back. Uh, and ultimately, the state uh, derives no benefit from that, either economic or otherwise. So uh, it, it, we do believe it's a very compelling argument uh, to to or compelling data to show lawmakers in those states that, hey, this is what you're missing out on. And the fact is, is that there is a, a demand, that demand is growing. And it will continue to grow as long as states around you are legalizing and you're sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. Our, our paid subscribers to the newsletter get the, the stateside story section every week. And uh, Mike Mazeo had an interesting piece this morning in Legal Sports Report that, that we, we linked to in the newsletter on, on FanDuel uh, trying to f mend the relationships with the uh, with the California indigenous communities right now and, and trying to do a reset for for legal sports betting in in California and and uh, there was a Minnesota Star Tribune uh, article this week that uh, legislators there are are making a push again and and you know they they're optimistic that legal sports betting will come to that state in in 2024. I mean, is that uh, like for you, John, is is it a case of prioritizing where where the best you know pardon the lousy pun the best bet is right now to 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 get something uh, legal happening in a state or or how like where, where are you where are you devoting your energy now in your role as in government and public affairs? Uh, I think the best plan for us is to be nimble, right? I mean, we can have a strategy and focus on certain markets, but things could evolve. Uh, you mentioned California there, you know, if something was to actually break loose in California, uh, you know, the, there is, I think, quite a, a log jam there between, um, you know, some of the stakeholders. Um, obviously, I think we would focus a lot of attention on California, a very, you know, massive market that we wouldn't want to miss out on. So, you know, we, we have focused, uh, 
you know, we're focusing on these six states, obviously. There will be others that will emerge, and some of these states may drop off. Some of them, you know, it may be very clear early in the legislative session next year that it's just not going to happen uh, in 2024. And so we'll, we'll dedicate our, our, our focus elsewhere. Uh, another area of the report that I think is really important is some of the focus that we put on the illegal market. And I know uh, one of your speakers earlier was, was talking about, you know, how legal operators are handicapped because the illegal market has kind of unfettered access uh, to to the to the market in Cal- in in Canada where they can advertise yet restrictions on advertising are being placed on on the regulated operators uh, we, we're seeing similar things in the US uh, in our report we highlight some of the direct advertising that consumers would see in one of these unregulated states if they just typed in can I bet on football can I bet on the NFL in Georgia or can I uh, bet on football games in South Carolina and they're being directed to uh, affiliate websites that tell them yes actually you can and here the you know even though it's not expressly legal you can do it on these websites and it's very easy so uh, there's a you know I think there's always going to be a focus of ours on exposing that there is a very um, prevalent unregulated market that persists and and one of the best ways to address it is to uh, to license and regulate in your state and, and create a, an environment where those legal operators can truly compete against their biggest competitor and those are illegal operators. Hey John, last question for you. I mean it's uh, even though GeoComply has a massive business going on in in the US right now. I mean it's it's the company's roots are in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think one of the feel-good stories from the industry in Ontario, and we, we talk about it on the show often, is, is uh, the technology hub that supports the gaming industry, not only in Canada, but across other parts of the world. And, and GeoComply establishing that Toronto office, I guess, probably maybe a year ago now, or a little bit more than that. And, and uh, the, the heartwarming story of, of GeoComply bringing employees from Ukraine over to, to, uh, to live in Canada and, and, and work at those new Toronto offices. Um, you know, I, I assume that the company, you're, you're following what's happening in Canada very closely. We, we are. We are. We, we, we see what's happening there. You know, it's, you know, I've certainly mentioned that we know that there are opportunities for growth in other provinces. Uh, I think in Ontario, I think there's going to be opportunity for growth and refinement there as, you know, we have uh, priorities as a company to make sure that the, the market is secure and compliant, that everyone's, you know, playing on a level playing field there. So, you know, we certainly uh, appreciate all the great work that Paul Burns and the Canadian Gaming Association is doing to, to advocate for, you know, sensible regulation and and, and uh, sensible requirements within Ontario and, and elsewhere. So uh, we, we see, you know, Canada is obviously a home to the company. It's where we're headquartered. Uh, our founder is, is Canadian, Anna, and our CEO, she's, she's, she, is a, a, she is Canadian and, and proud of it. And, and we're very excited to like be what, you know, a Canadian company that is helping to support a global industry uh, and and we look forward to you know growing our business in Canada and supporting our customers in Canada. Yeah, no, John, we're we're extremely excited about the fact that GeoComply came on board last week as presenting sponsor the the newsletter. I think that means a lot to us that we we have two Canadian companies that are that support Gaming News Canada. That's, that's something that Mark Silver and I have worked hard to uh, to to have those relationships from a. I guess from a business standpoint, so it, it does mean a, a lot to us. Um, John Pappas is the Senior Vice President of Government and Public Affairs at GeoComply. Uh, John, thanks so much for your patience with the uh, with the technical issues this afternoon, and and uh, I I'm sure you're going to be in Las Vegas for G2E next month, and really look forward to seeing you there and and catching up and and hopefully getting you back on the show while we're out in Vegas. That would be wonderful and, and look forward to, to seeing you and connecting with uh, everyone in the community, north and south of the border. I know there'll be a lot of exciting events uh, out at G2E and uh, certainly welcome folks to come by our booth uh, to see us and also see our our our, our newest uh, acquisition to the GeoComply family, OneComply, 
uh, where in the U.S. it's very common you have to get your fingerprints uh, if you're going to be a, a licensed individual, and we're giving away free fingerprints, uh, fingerprinting, digital fingerprinting at the One Comply booth. So come come see us there and, and get your fingerprints if you need to get licensed in the in the U.S. markets. I'll, I'll come and get my fingerprints done, and I also want one of those gray uh, those gray shirts that I keep I keep talking to you and Lindsay Slater about. So I'll I'll definitely be coming <laughs> by the G three booth when I'm in Vegas. Yeah, maybe some uh, fresh new uh, kicks again this year. I mean, <laughs> I, I, we always have some very cool swag for our for our friends. So please come and visit. Great, thanks, thanks, John. That's uh, John Pappas. Uh, Paul Burns, last uh, last question for you. I mean, we we often you know knock around the the issues that that are a little bit controversial and and uh, talk about the challenges in the industry. Is there is there a good a good news story in the industry that you you we can we can leave the show on a positive note and, and something even off your call yesterday with the CGA membership that that has you. Uh, how's you feeling good uh despite all the other things that are going around right now oh wow um well i feel good about the industry all the time um so in in terms of uh, uh, anything specific uh that's a tough question um through uh um, i don't want to begin I guess, I really Paul. I guess the fact the fact that the fact that the CGA is at a point now where the membership continues to grow. I mean, it, it, it has to feel like when we when you and I first met uh, almost three years ago. Now it, it must have felt a little bit like the Maytag repairman, where you and Amanda Brewer, and you're in a situation now where the membership's grown. Um, there's, as you mentioned at the, earlier, there's. You know, it's not just Canadian companies. You have international companies that are, are CGA members. And it, it must just be nice to be in a place where you do have a healthy membership now and, and that you, you know, you're having conversations around the day-to-day -day operations in, in, a, in an industry that's in its early stages. Well, it is. It's, it's fantastic because uh, for a lot of years, the governments in Canada didn't want to talk about gaming at all. Um, um, and rarely did you know ontario um you know revamped their connector management for land-based gaming uh around 2012 and that was you know brought the Toronto casino debate and brought um the global companies to the province to look at how they could um bid on their casino operations uh that was just you know that was a again a, a time when we um, you know, having to get and explain the gaming business and, and deal with myths and misconceptions. Um, and, and we continue to, you know, now with Ontario regulating our gaming, it was creation of an industry here. Um, Comply was a great example. It was a company that they got their first, were able to company to customers, their first customers in Canada um thanks to and working in in the country where they had been founded and they weren't alone there were lots of others that were the same place and so um i think it's you know the conversations that everybody in the industry have had over the last number of years to um uh, bring about more regulated gaming in the country um uh, extolling uh, you know that's the, the the success stories of uh, the companies that have have grown up here and are doing business all over the world. Um, I think it's a, it's an exciting time, um, even for the CGA. We you know we went through our strategic planning process in 2018. When I became CEO, was we really stepped to say we're going to represent private sector organizations operating in the gaming industry. Um, we had Crown agencies as members for years, uh, but it was time for us to um, pick a side, I guess, get off the fence, whatever phrase you want to use. And uh, uh, for that, found us a clear purpose and, and, uh, and a strong ability to um, advocate more uh, firmly and forcefully for the industry. And I think it's, it's been great. And, you know, we're, 
uh, we'll out promote and defend regulated gaming and, and understand that, you know, the industry does an exceptional job, um, and, and, you know, the great benefits beyond government revenue that the jobs that are created and the economic impacts that, that are had in communities where there's, uh, land-based casinos is tremendous. And, uh, so we, you know, it's a great, uh, it's a great story to tell and, it's nice that um, there's activity and governments are wanting to um, address what uh, things they ignored for too many years. Paul Burns is the president and CEO of the Canadian Gaming Association. Uh, Paul, thanks as always for doing this. Uh, we wish you safe travels to uh, to Spain next week and, and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Steve. Thank you also this week to Jacob Hargaden Llewellyn from Leo Vegas Group. Uh, Jacob, that thing, I think that was your maiden uh, maiden voyage on the uh, on the Gaming News Canada show. So great to have your voice. We'll get you back again. Uh, thanks to Amanda Brewer at uh, at Kindred Group for joining us, and to John Pappas from GeoComply. We look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Gaming News Canada show. Sign up for our newsletter at GamingNewsCanada.ca. Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.